Hello, everybody, and welcome. You are listening to the Power Hour here at CJLO, 1690 AM in Montreal. My name is William Power. I'm with Dominic Demeester. I hope each and every one of you had a great American Thanksgiving. Enjoyed those three uh, games that we saw on Thursday and the Black Friday game that we saw on, on uh, yeah, obviously on Friday there. Uh, we, have not, we do not have the pleasure of that today, but we do have a good Thursday nighter tonight. Uh, Dom, uh, how, first of all, how are you? And second of all, what were your thoughts on the games? I'm doing amazing, William. Yeah, absolutely love the games. It seems like all the favorites almost won this week. Yeah. One of those flukes that you almost never see. But hey, congratulations to those favorites. Let's get it started. Well, that's the thing. I realized I didn't do too, too well in my picks uh, last uh, last week just because I kind of went for the underdog. That was my mentality throughout this year. Kind of go through the, for the uh, underdog when I see the oppor- opportunity to do so. Uh, a game, you know, we talked about uh, good games happening this weekend. I always try and focus on, you know, one good game to watch at 1 o'clock when my Dolphins aren't playing. And I was excited to watch the Texans and the Jaguars battle for first place in the AFC South. And look, 24-21, if you didn't watch this game and say, oh, okay, you know, maybe it was a close game, maybe it wasn't all that great, but this was a, a really, really good game. It was back and forth. This game had everything, missed field goals, crazy place to end the half. Uh, this was a, a just a fantastic game before actually analyzing it. It was a treat to watch this game. Big plays made in the game. Christian Kirk brings the ball all the way to the one-yard line at the end of the first half it, with one second left. Peterson's aggressive. He decides to go for the touchdown. They get stopped. It didn't prove too, too costly because the Jags ended up winning the game. But, you know, C.J. Stroud at times in this game looked to be a little bit like the rookie that he is, uh, which, you know, is obviously understandable because um, he's been playing lights out, right? And it's it's tough for him to kind of continue on that trend uh, just because, like, look, he is a rookie and was playing Jacksonville as a pretty solid team. A big one here by the Jags. Uh, a couple of cool things that you know I saw throughout the game was that Houston didn't give up. They were down by ten. They kind of could have sat back. They ended up getting a touchdown and made a, a rally late in the game. But it was uh, it was all for naught. A really really fun game and a big win by the Jags, Dominic, because uh, now they're two games in first place in that division. Yeah, Jacksonville statement game. I'm really happy to see the Jags and the Jags fan base finally getting a bit of, you know, momentum entering the playoffs. This definitely now cements themselves as being legitimately a playoff contender. And Trevor Lawrence, you said it yourself, you know, having a pretty big game here, 23 for 38, 364 yards, one TD, one pick. You know, you don't really see Trevor Lawrence passing for over 300 yards. He seems to be more of a game manager, but he knew that he needed to win this game through the air. And did he ever? He also found a nice reception with Calvin Ridley in the end zone, five receptions for 89 yards and one TD. This is basically how Jacksonville is going to need to move forward. They need to have the best Calvin Ridley and they need to have a consistent Trevor Lawrence. They were able to run the ball 20 times in this game. You know, Travis Etienne really surprising a lot of people this year. A lot of people thought maybe Tang Bigsby was going to be complimentary, but it's been all Travis Etienne and rightfully so. He's been doing a decent job. Maybe not in terms of yards of uh, per average in this game, 2.8, but you know, Houston divisional game, they were ready for the run and for CJ Stroud, you know, you're not going to win them all. You're still a rookie, 26 for 36, 304, not that bad. Still had some good receptions for Nico Collins, who went seven receptions, 104, and one TD. I think this is going to be a battle to the end. I think both these teams are playoff teams right now. Texans sitting at six and five, but they use they lose a huge lineman. So keep an eye on the Texans offensive line. You know, we talked them up 
a bit, no, two weeks ago saying that this was one of the biggest reasons why the Texans have been successful. So let's see if they have depth at the O-line position because it just sometimes takes only one guy for the glue to come undone. So congratulations for Jacksonville. They take it 24-21, to largely because of a great game by Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Lawrence played really well. And, you know, you talk about CJ Stroud's stats. You say, William, he had a great game. He did, 26 of 36, 304 yards, two TDs, no picks. It's just the four sacks there. Maybe that's because, like you said, uh, the O-line wasn't all that healthy. And I think that uh, Josh Allen, not the quarterback, the uh, defensive uh, defensive end for the Jaguars had a big game himself. And those few sacks ended up coming at, at key and clutch points in the game, which uh, definitely helped the Jags win this game. The defense had a solid game. This was a fun, fun game. To watch so glad i was able to catch some of that all right Tom, let's continue uh with another game yeah let's talk about the thursday night special uh i thought was a really exciting football game or i should say yeah the thursday night morning i'm so used to it being a nightly game the yeah. one o'clock game between green bay and detroit wow this was unexpected the packers take it 29 to 22 jordan love i think had his best football game that I've seen as a QB. Not crazy stats, but a lot of key throws against a decent defense. He goes 22 for 32, 268 yards, three TDs. And the Detroit Lions, this is the kind of team that sometimes you start you start scratching your head. And, you know, Jared Goff in this game, as usual, had a few moments where you're just like, eh, what kind of Jared Goff are we getting here? He still went 29 for 44, 332, but a lot of those stats were, you know, kind of like padded in the fourth yeah. quarter. So all in all, Jared Goff, he is the kryptonite for the Detroit Lions. And if he doesn't do it this year, I think you have to move on to have a nice rookie quarterback that you can bring up and uh, move on with him. And obviously having a rookie quarterback with uh, that, that kind of like salary cap, you're able to bring other guys in. So I'm honestly thinking Jared Goff, I don't know if he's going to be moving on with the Detroit Lions with this type of play because he is the kryptonite because this Lions team is loaded. As for the Packers, they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot right now. Yeah. This is a confident football team right now. Beating the Detroit Lions, that's a statement game in the division. They're going to have to do it pretty much with Jordan Love playing exactly like he played. And I think the Packers... They're bringing out something that we didn't really know they had, which was a lot of depth at wide receiver. Every single week, there seems to be a guy that pops up on the stat sheet. Who is this guy? This this week was Malik Heath. Who is Malik Heath? Hell, yeah. he's a pretty decent receiver. He caught four for four receptions for 46 yards, number two uh, in receiving yardage on this in this game. And Christian Watson had a big TD. We hadn't seen him for a while. So yeah. you got Dobbs, Reed, Watson. Now you're adding Heath. I mean, you got all, even, I think, uh, Wicks, another receiver. That's like five decent receivers. And Jordan Love seems to be managing the game pretty darn well. So keep an eye on those Packers. I'm not saying that they're going to go to the Super Bowl. I'm just saying they might sneak their way in the playoffs. They take this game 29-22. to 22. Well, I didn't think it'd be possible to say that just a few weeks ago about the Packers, but I have to agree with you on this one. And I love the way Green Bay decided to start this game. Matt LaFleur originally called a deep shot uh, for for um, for loving this game to off the play action. And then called texted him during the weekend and said, you know what, no, let's just play it safe on the first play. And Love said, no, I want to go out there. I want to go play action. And I want to go big on the first play of the game. And he did a beautiful pass there uh, down, uh, down the sideline that got really from... Then on the Green Bay Packers did not look back. And you look at this game, 29-22. The, you know, the, the numbers kind of lie in this game because this game wasn't that close. Green Bay controlled the game from start to finish. In garbage time, the Lions got a TD to make it look somewhat respectable. But 
that's the problem with the Lions. You know, can they be trusted? And they're eight and three, better than I personally expected this year. But this is why I don't think this team is a Super Bowl contender. I, I just cannot see a certain amount of games, playoff games in a row, strung by Jared Goff, where he's able to have, you know, a good week. He started off this this game terribly. He was able to rebound somewhat, but you cannot be struggling against teams like the Green Bay Packers if you want to call yourself Super Bowl contenders. There was no significant injuries to the Lions in this one. They were at home. This was a game that I think everybody and their mother thought the Detroit Lions were going to win this one. So you talk about teams, maybe pretenders, and I think right now this, this Lions team is maybe in that pretender category. We said... Could they challenge the 49ers and or Eagles to win the division? Uh, sorry, to win the conference? And I, I don't think so. I think they'll make the playoffs. And I really wouldn't be surprised if they're one and done, unfortunately, because I don't know if you can trust these lines. And especially after this week, I think it's um, safe to say that, you know, this team maybe isn't as good as we thought. I know it's only one week and it really is incredible. Football is a what have you done for me lately type of league. But, you know, you, Goff has done this too many times, right? This is not the first time he's had a, a bad performance like this where he's kind of had brain farts throughout the game. He's he's done it, you know, unfortunately, a little bit more consistently than you like to see. It reared its ugly head in this game, and unfortunately for them, Green Bay came with the victory. But yes, five and six, Green Bay, watch out. They're playing the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend. They win that game. I think we'll start buying into uh, what Green Bay has to offer. Let's go to a game that, uh, man, we thought was going to be good, and it was as good as advertised. The Philadelphia Eagles, the Buffalo Bills. This was like potential game of the year here. Um, 17-7 at half. I was scratching my head. What the heck was going on with this Eagles offense? It was like every second play was Hurts rolling out, throwing out of bounds. Hurts rolling out, throwing the ball out of bounds. And finally, they were able to get the rhythm going in the second half where the Eagles um, Hurts finished 18 of 31, 200 yards. But it really was the running game. 80 rushing yards for Swift, 65 for Hurts, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a TD there for DeAndre Swift. Tom, you look right now at the Buffalo Bills. We'll talk about this game a little bit more. They're sitting at 6-6. Six and six. Are the Buffalo Bills going to make the playoffs? And I can't even believe I'm asking you that question. Yeah, they'll make the playoffs. I know they're like 29% right now, but I do believe the Buffalo Bills will make the playoffs. Well, the thing is, in this game, they played well. And I know it's, there's no, how can you say it, moral victories in the NFL. But I feel like when you have a team on the ropes and you're going to steal a game, you need to find a way to kind of finish off a team. And they had it in overtime. Gabe Davis, Josh Allen weren't on the same page. And it's plays like that the Buffalo Bills have made in years past that they haven't made this year. They, they were always kind of so good they could cover up their own mistakes. But unfortunately, that hasn't happened this year. And, you know, the Bills had a chance to go out there and come up with a massive, massive victory to, I don't want to say save their season, but make a statement. And, you know, it was no can do. Hurts does his thing, rushes for a TD, and a huge win by the Eagles over the Bills. Yeah, this is all Jalen Hurts. This is basically his talent is to be a scrambling athletic quarterback. And when you have an offensive line, it's very hard for the Buffalo defense to contain a guy like him. He is very deadly, especially with two monster receivers that he has. We've been saying the same story over and over about Jalen Hurts. You saw the beginning of the game, you know, at least he he didn't throw the picks early on. You know, he, yes, he did have one in this football game, but like you said it yourself, he was throwing out of bounds and whatnot. That's a smart quarterback. And when you're you know, got a, a huge team like the Eagles have, you know, they're 10 and one for a reason. It doesn't have to be one right off the bat, right? Let the game progress and let's see how it's going to play out. And at the end of the day, Jalen Hurts was the guy who ran a beautiful QB run in the end zone to win the game. And that's extremely, extremely hard to 
you know, contend with when you have on the outsides, you got Devontae Smith and AJ Brown just like wanting the ball in the end zone. And you know, that's probably the go-to play. And, you know, you play up coverage and then you leave Jalen Hurts by himself and boom, game over. It's, it's that simple for this guy right now. He's playing so confident. He's got nothing to lose right now. He's 10 and one. He is on, you know, sky high, cloud nine, however you want to describe it. He's feeling it. However, we both would agree that on any given Sunday, if you face a strong defense, Jalen, you might walk away with a loss. So Buffalo's defense is the reason why they lost this football game. The inability to get to the quarterback. Yeah, they got two sacks. But that just isn't good enough. I would have expected this team to put a lot more pressure on Jalen Hurts. It's obviously extremely difficult to do. But if you're going to beat the Eagles, you got to mix it up. You got to throw the house at Jalen Hurts to see how he's going to react. We know he's not a great, like, in my opinion, a super amazing, accurate quarterback. Yes, he could throw the deep ball, but you know, a lot of people could throw the deep ball. So at the end of the day, the Bills had this game. They played a very smart offensive game, in my opinion. They mixed it up very well. Everybody was involved. Uh, even the running game was really pounding. They pound the ball a lot. That's how you're supposed to do it. And Josh Allen, he didn't make crazy mistakes. And, you know, he threw one pick, but nothing crazy. He was very good. Obviously, he ran the ball nine carries for 81 yards. So he did his share in his part. And I do believe that the Bills, they believe in themselves. You know, they almost beat the best team, quote unquote, in the NFL. By, and they lost by three points. And some would, would say they should have won the football game. I think you and I would both say yeah. that they should have won the, this football game. But they did not, right? They came up short. They came up short because, unfortunately, they faced an Eagles team that have nothing to lose. They took this football game 37 to 34, rightfully so. Jalen Hurts right now is playing like an MVP. And the thing is, you you are right that, you know, we felt Buffalo Bills should have won the game. And, you know, a lot of people look at that as, you know, a positive in the sense that they were in the game, they competed with the best team. And as a certain extent, I do agree with it, but it's also a bit problematic because you shouldn't be losing games you're supposed to win, right? This team has struggled already enough this year where games they quote-unquote should win and outplay the other team, they need to find ways to win. And there was a certain point in this game where they had the ball possession, a ton more yards than the Eagles did. And, you know, if you would have told me at halftime, the Buffalo Bills, I don't want to say found a way to lose this game, or I should say let the Eagles come away with a victory here. It would have been, you know, surprising here. And yes, the Buffalo Bills are better than six and six. Like we know they have Super Bowl talent. Uh, but I think that, you know, you know, Buffalo's defense did let them down as well. But it's also the rushing attack too, Dominic. You know, you talked about it a lot. And in this game, unfortunately, didn't see much success out of uh, their, their running backs. Uh, you know, Cook had a... Had a uh, a modest few rushing yards on the game. Josh Allen did a good job rushing himself, but you know you can't really rely on the quarterback, or you shouldn't have to rely on the quarterback to to lead your team in in rushing. Which unfortunately the Buffalo Bills have done too many times this year. I agree but with I would, you, William. But I'll just cut you yeah. off really quick. The more yeah. important aspect is that they ran it forty times, whether it be with yeah. Josh Allen. That consistency, you know, mm -hmm. I know they don't have a deep back. They, they're bringing in Le Leonard Fournette. We're hoping that this guy's going to come in eventually because the sooner he gets on this football team, the better off the Bills would be. But if they continue sticking with the run, you know, they almost beat the Eagles. They lost to the Eagles by three. They minimize Josh Allen's mistakes by at least trying to run the ball. What that does is that obviously the clock, the clock keeps on ticking and you're able to, you know, disguise more plays. So although I would agree with you that it wasn't super affected, Effective. Yeah. I do agree that 40 times running the football is extremely important to keep the opponents, you know, off base and unpredictable, you know? 
Yeah, you need to keep your defense guessing, Dom, for sure. And they've been a, a pass for team for a while. So, yeah, in that regard, I do I do get what you're saying there. Big shout-out to Jake Elliott, that 59-yard field goal as time ex- – not time expired, but to force overtime there in that weather. Huge. He, you know, he's clutch. We don't talk about kickers enough, but I want to give love to uh, Jake Elliott because he was huge, huge in that victory. Big kick there for the Eagles. Let's continue on, Dominic, with those recaps. Uh, we started off with a few good games and some uh, close ones. And, yeah, let's continue on with that trend. Yeah, let's go to another big relevant football game, which was the Baltimore Ravens versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Oh, boy. If you haven't realized it by now, you've been sleeping. I said it last week. Brandon Steely and those Los Angeles Chargers basically lost the season, in my personal opinion, by losing to the Baltimore Ravens at home. 20 to 10, they go down to four and seven. It will take a miracle for those Chargers to make the playoffs. Boy, I cannot wait for this guy to be out of town. And there's already rumblings. I'm not, I'm kind of starting a rumor here, but there's already (laughs) rumblings that Bill Belichick is going to be on his way out of New England. But you and I both know you cannot keep a guy like this out of football. If I'm Bill Belichick, I'm looking at Justin Herbert and I'm looking at this amazing opportunity to revive the Los Angeles Chargers and to bring Justin Herbert where he needs to be. Because it certainly won't be with Brandon Staley and the frigging Chargers right now are completely in disarray sitting at four and seven and this football game wasn't a crazy football game for the Ravens but you just saw a stellar Ravens defense that basically was the difference in this football game you know you got a guy like Roquan Smith an absolute beast out there really transforming this defense since he got there you got a great pickup in Kyle Hamilton who I think right now is solidifying himself as being a great safety in the NFL those two guys are the glue they brought in an old veteran and clown who a lot of people threw in the garbage a long time ago. But when you need a pass rusher, you know, even Clowney still at his age is able to do it. And with pressure to the quarterback, you don't get great statistics. Justin Herbert goes 29 for 44, 217 yards here. And obviously Justin Herbert ran for 47 yards because Austin Angler, Austin Eckler got stuffed in this football yeah. game. Only 10 carries, 32 yards. Not going to do it. You got to give credit to the Ravens. Every year, they seem to put a good product on this football team and on this field. And I think that Harbaugh obviously got the better of Steely. And that's why they won 20-10. to 10. Well, I think, you know, after this performance, we've heard, you know, a few little rumblings about the Ravens defense from the beginning of the season to now. But I don't think we realize how elite this Ravens defense is. And they're just quick. They communicate. And it almost reminds you of the old Ravens. Obviously, it's different than the Ed Reed, you know, Ray Lewis type days. But, like, this defense is winning them football games. And, you know, only putting up 20 points in the NFL certainly does not guarantee you a victory. Most times, I think, you know, you're going to lose games like that. But to hold the Chargers, who, yes, have struggled this year, but an offense like that, too, to 10 points is impressive. Unfortunately, Austin Eckler just hasn't looked like himself this year. Yes, he's battled injuries. Um, and uh, he has had games where, you know, he, he's played well, especially against Miami that week one game. But, you know, this is a guy that, you know, go, for my fantasy fans out there, he goes top 10, maybe even top 5 in a lot of fantasy leagues. So to have him struggle as much as he has, I could see a lot of fantasy owners kind of kicking themselves. But, you know, yes, Tom, Brandon Staley, talk about a guy. I don't know if there's been a coach 
that hasn't been fired and it's been talked about potentially being fired amongst media and, and everybody else, as long as him and still able to keep his job, they're four and seven. I think it's absolutely inevitable that he's gone before the start of next season. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets fired before the end of this season. And for the Chargers, you know, where do they go from here? Where do the Chargers go from here? We know they're a great football team. We know they have a good quarterback. We know they have good wide receivers and a good running back as well. I just can't figure out why this team can't win football games. Dominic, like, what would you say is the main reason they can't? Well, they had a few injuries, but that's not uh, an excuse, right? Everybody gets banged up, but uh, their offense is becoming a lot you know, more predictable when you're just feeding the ball to Keenan Allen, you know, 16 targets here, 14 receptions. Don't get me wrong. Allen did his part, but you got to get more creative. They got a bust in Quinton Johnston that they obviously missed on in this draft. Yeah. The secondary has been atrocious this year. Guys are seem to, I mean, Kellen Mack started the season with a huge game at one point. You thought yeah. that, oh, wow, the Chargers D is going to be great, but it seems like guys are getting old up in, uh, in Los Angeles and they're not able to be uh, as good as they once were. Like I'm looking at guys like Kendricks, for example, they lost Bosa to an injury last week. So, you know, the Chargers, like anybody else, go through adversity. But at the end of the day, your coaching staff, you're supposed to put a good game plan on the field on a weekly basis. You got no excuse. But Brandon Steely's been just God frigging awful when you yeah. got a talented QB like Justin Herbert. It means that the schemes are just atrocious. And yeah. that's the reason why this team is struggling. And that's why when he leaves, you mark my words, the Los Angeles Chargers are going to be so much better off. They'll probably be a playoff team from the very get-go with whoever is there as their head coach. I mean, honestly, they should be battling the Chiefs every year for that division, right? That AFC West. I know Kansas City is on a level in its own. And, you know, we'll talk about them a little bit later on and other teams in that division. But just, you know, talent for talent and, you know, uh, on paper, this team is, you know, good enough, I said, to do that and to battle for the Super Bowl as well. Curious to see what happens uh, in these next few days with the rumblings of Staley continue or not. But yeah, you know, I think that, unfortunately, the lack of offensive production we've seen over the last few games from this team hasn't been good. And, you know, I will I will put the majority of the blame on Staley because I do think he's the number one reason this team has struggled. But I want to see Herbert step up. And I know, you know... He, Johnson's been a bust. The guy just can't catch. I don't understand. He has no hands. Mike Williams is done for the year. Keenan Allen is an absolute dog, and I'm glad that he stayed healthy. But, you know, like I talked about a few weeks on the show, there have been a few throws this year where you scratch your head, and Herbert, you know, has kind of missed them. So I want to see him settle down, take a deep breath. I know they're staying at 4-7, and seven, and, you know, 9-7 and seven for them may not even be good enough for them to make the playoffs this year. So a big mountain for them to climb. We'll see what happens. And one of the reasons, Dom, this team, if they go 9-7, and seven, the Chargers do, may not make the playoffs is because the Denver Broncos have won five straight games. I can't believe it. They go out there. They beat the Cleveland Browns this weekend, 29-12. to 12. You talked about a lot about Sean Payton and what he'd be able to do for this team. This team has found different ways to win, right? You know, Russell Wilson hasn't been lighting it up on the stat sheet. He hasn't been killing it. He's been missing some wide receivers. But nonetheless, this Denver Broncos team, Dom, has found ways to win football game. And Cleveland's not necessarily a great team, but they were 7-3. and three, And Denver dominated from start to finish. And they have now won five straight games. <laughs> Coaching, baby. Sean Payton. What a night and day contrast to, obviously, uh, Brandon Staley and with the Chargers. Like This guy, you look at the stat sheet. You said to yourself, where is this offense? It's all, if you look at the reception to targets ratio, people are doing their job. This is a team. This is a football team. Remember, this team got smacked in the face by your Dolphins, 70 points. I guarantee you, 
everybody was looking themselves in the mirror saying, how can I be better? And I really think this offense is now thriving through the running game. Yes, the running game. Look at the Samjay Perrine coming out of nowhere in the past few weeks. Again, playing a key role this week. Seven carries, 55 yards, and one TD. Again, it provides this offense a different, a few more looks. And they needed that against a stellar Browns team who's been really dominating their opponents on a weekly basis. So how do you do that? You got to be creative. You got to come up with a game plan that it opens it up for the entire team on any given play. And that you need your personnel to be confident and obviously a winning streak. Everybody in the locker room is feeling like as confident as they could possibly be. A guy that's turned around his career right now is Cortland Sutton. Not not great stat, but he's leading the team, you know, and this is the guy who's supposed to lead the team with regards to his veteran leadership as a wide receiver. Guys are falling along. Jerry Judy, not crazy stat, but playing his role. If guys can play the role and know how to play as a team, you know what? You start winning football games. And that goes with Russell Wilson as well. Not a great stat, you know, 13 for 22, ugly. Don't get me wrong. Not great, but not one turnover. You know, he's doing his job yeah. there. He's not having, yes, he did fumble. the. Uh, he lost one fumble. We'll, we'll give him that as uh, one of those uh, turnovers. But other than that, through the air is what I'm talking about. Where I see Russell Wilson making big mistakes is these horrible picks at horrible times. It seems like Sean Payton has done a great job at providing game plays that he excels in. That is exactly what Pete Carroll used to do. He used to cater to Russell Wilson. Wilson's skill set very well. It took him half about what four or five games to really figure it out, and they've turned the corner, sitting at six and five with a QB winning Super Bowl quarterback. You just don't know, and playing in mile high is a difficult place to play. The Browns found that out, losing twenty nine to twelve. Congratulations to the Denver Broncos. Yes, and we talked about you know the Ravens defense and them playing late. So look at the stats for the quarterbacks, the Cleveland Browns here. Unfortunately. Um, uh, Thompson Robinson had to leave this game, but he was 14 of 29, 134 yards, one TD. That's less than a 50% completion rate. PJ Walker comes in six of 13, 56 yards, sacked four times, and he didn't even play much of much of this game. The Denver Broncos defense, you know, has been leading them, of course, uh, throughout this trend. You know, we talk about the statistics not being all that sexy on offense for this Denver Broncos team. I really do like what you said, though, Dom. Know your role and understand it. And I think this defense understands that this is not the Russell Wilson from Seattle, right? It's not the Russell Wilson that's going to go there, pass for 300 yards, three TDs a game, you know, and put up, you know, 35-plus points for this team. This defense gets that. And I think they've adjusted and they've won games accordingly. And it's pretty, you know, exciting to see because I really, really, even after, you know, they, their first one against the Green Bay Packers, sitting at 2-5, and five, even when they beat the Chiefs, I wasn't all that convinced, but they beat the Chiefs, Dominic. They beat the Bills. They beat Cleveland. That looks pretty good this year. Um, they beat some good, good teams in their run. And I think that, uh, you know, if you look at their the schedule next to the, the Texans, it'll be a good matchup. But both teams kind of hovering around that playoff spot. So a big, big game for both teams. I'm excited for that one. Uh, let's continue with the recaps. Yeah, let's continue with the recaps. Let's go and talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers versus yep. the Cincinnati Bengals. Matt Canada is gone. And what happens? The offense finally shows up. Now, was this a fluke, William? I'm thinking it was, was a fluke. What are your thoughts really quick on Matt Canada's departure and the Steelers offense blowing up? 
You know, honestly, I, I, I don't think it's a fluke. I think, you know, one, will it last? Maybe, maybe not. But sometimes, sometimes you know, just a change of scenery for a team. And, you know, just just something new for a squad can kind of build up confidence. And even if they had me as, I, you know, wearing the head coach uniform, that, sorry, the offensive coordinator making the calls, sometimes just having somebody else present in that room, it was stale with Matt Canada. They finally found some life. And, man, did they ever get Pat Firemuth going. So, no, I'm not going to go fluke. I want to see them continue. You want to put up more than 16 points a game off. Obviously, defense played great in this one to get them the victory. But, no, I'm not going to go fluke. I want to see them continue. And I want to see them uh, to continue to, to feed uh, Firemuth. Yeah, listen. Okay, I'm a Steelers fan. You know that. I'm going to say I'm not convinced it's a fluke. And the reason why I'm going to say that is because this team, with all the yardage you can have, still only had yeah. three points at halftime. So, yes, there were key turnovers. Yes, there were big plays. There was one embarrassing play with regards to Deontay Johnson and his level of effort. Wow, was it ever an embarrassing moment for that guy? But I'm sure it's a learning experience. That level of effort. I don't know if you saw the play where I did. Uh, yes, it's just embarrassing. I'm sure everybody who's listening most likely saw it. If you haven't, just YouTube it. It's quite funny and embarrassing at the same time. Kenny Pickett in this game, you said it yourself. You know, he fought. He found a weapon, and that was what he needed to do. Who was that? Which was Pratt. Pat Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth, nine receptions, 120 yards in this football game was the reason why they excelled. Now, was Pat Fryermuth, you know, uh, this great guy from the very get-go for the Steelers? No, it's, it's supposed to be George Pickens. So until I see George Pickens finding a lot more deep balls, and we might see, we've seen a few flashes of him last year and whatnot, but I want to see more deep throws on the sidelines, more slant passes, we saw a few slam passes in this game uh, for, for once. They weren't great. He was a bit off. And again, it shows a, a lack of accuracy on Kenny Pickett's part. You know, I'm obviously going to grill this quarterback until he gets it right. Because in my opinion, if you're going to play the position for the Steelers franchise, especially in the salary cap era, you got to deliver a slam pass. If you can't do that, you just don't belong on this team. So in my opinion, that's the biggest, biggest weak point. And I think that moving forward, if I still don't see that pass, William, I still yeah. think that he's not a great quarterback. And he, yes, he can win a, a game like anybody can win a game in the NFL. There's so much parity. I want to see more out of Kenny Pickett's arm. I don't think there's enough velocity. I don't think he's accurate. And as a result, this team is managing. And how are they managing? Through their defense and through probably the best defensive player in the NFL in TJ Watt. If TJ Watt was not on this football team, I said it last week, there was no way in hell the Steelers would be 7-4. and four. They'd probably be one win and, you know, what they played, 11 games, one win and 10 losses. That's yeah. right, one win and 10 losses. That's how... TJ Watt has been playing as a beast. This is, this guy's just there's no words enough that I can describe his play. He's probably almost the best defensive stealer that I've seen in my lifetime. Granted, wow. the steel curtain back in the 70s, that yeah. was a lot of great players, but in my lifetime, TJ Watt has been the guy, and that's a huge group like Greg Lloyd, you name it. Uh, we had um Harrison, you name it, a lot of great linebackers. But defensive end-wise, there's no other best, better player than TJ Watt. So congratulations to the Steelers. If you're going to go anywhere, this guy's going to have to stay healthy because once he's not healthy, they will go nowhere. And Kenny Pickett, keep on playing. This offensive style has been productive, but start showing me some consistency and get more than 16 points on the board. I want to see you hit 30 next week, and then you'll make me a believer. But congratulations to the Steelers take it 16 to 10. 
Well, that's the thing. Like passing yards and everything are great, but it's about finishing drives. How many times do we say the game is won and lost in the red zone? And, you know, unfortunately for uh, for Pittsburgh, they weren't able to put up more than 16 points. After all those yards, they still got the dub. And just to add them to we said about uh, TJ Watt, for me, it's just incredible in such an offensive league how one player on defense can make such an impact on a game and he's just playing at an absolutely insane insane level uh, and you know talk about defensive player of the year you got bland obviously in the conversation now because he broke the record for most pick sixes in the season but right now Watt is, is my front runner and i think William, that, uh, yeah why are we talking about defensive player of the year how about mvp I, of the I know, it's football crazy. league this team is yeah. seven and four they're not yeah. seven and four because of coaching we saw right. Matt canada they're not seven and four because of kenny pickett they're seven and four because of tj watt the defensive players in the nfl need a lot more respect why not give it to tj watt you talk about MVP, right? The, the the most valuable player, and you take it at its you know which word and exactly what it means. It's hard not to make a case he's the most valuable player on his team, right? Even including quarterbacks, pretty insane to say. But yes, Dom, it would be special if he won uh, MVP. Man, would that ever shake things up in the NFL? I'm with you on that one. That would be exciting. Let's go to a matchup between two NFC South teams, battle for first place on the line: Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints. The Falcons take it 24 to 15. The big play in this game, first quarter, Jesse Bates intercepts a pass after New Orleans was moving down the field trying to extend a 3-0 lead. He picks it off and returns it 92 yards to the house. Atlanta didn't look back after that. Bijan Robinson had a nice game, a rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown. This is what I want to see out of Bijan. You know, we complained about kind of his lack of production on the team and his lack of use. Um, and like I just mentioned, 32 yards on the air, a TD. 10, uh, excuse me, 16 rushes, 91 yards, and and a touchdown on the ground. This is the way I thought the Falcons would, would win games. And look, while the Falcons may or may not be a sexy team, surprise teams in the playoffs, this is still big, right? You know, if the playoffs started today, they would host a home game. And, you know, playing in there is not an easy place to win. And, you know, New Orleans found that out. And it was a good game, not a great game by Derek Carr. I think that we kind of saw the Derek Carr we were hoping we wouldn't see. He just didn't seem to be consistent. There were some nice throws. They did have some encouraging plays, but and he did throw for 304 yards. But the no touchdowns, the bad pick, the 14 incompletions, unfortunately, just didn't add up to a victory for them. Big win by Atlanta, and Bijan Robinson having himself a day, which is what we thought we'd say a little bit more often this season for the Falcons. The weirdest division in football, baby. The <laughs> NFC South. Who will it be on any given Sunday? Pick a team, baby, because I have no clue who is winning this division. It could be the Saints, could be the Falcons, throw the Bucks, you know, throw even the Panthers. That would be probably impossible, but you never know. They could run the table. You never know. You just never know. That's how bad this division is. And boy, Derek Carr, flip a coin. Who you get this week? Oh, we got the bad Derek Carr. <laughs> Losing to the Falcons 24-15 against the worst quarterback in the NFL in Desmond Ritter. (laughs) Literally. How bad could Derek Carr be when you lose to Desmond Ritter? But I'll tell you how is that, you know, Arthur Smith has one weapon and one weapon alone, and that is the running game. If you just keep on pounding the ball in Atlanta, they did it 41 times. Well, you know what? You could very well win a football game because that clock keeps on ticking. They played a very strong team in terms of their defensive formations in New Orleans, but we all know the Saints are better at home and they always struggle on the road. This was no different at all. I did love to see Corderell Patterson really playing 
an old man's game, but in a young man's shoes. You know what I mean? This guy out of nowhere, you know, he just drank from the fountain of youth. Say, hey, guys, I'm back. Eight carries for 43 yards. If you see those eight carries, he is a beast. Cordero Patterson, I got to lift my hat off to you. For whatever reason, on any given Sunday, you could show up and play like a beast at your age. That is impressive. You're showing guys like Bijan Robinson how to do it. You're showing guys like Tyler Algiar how to do it. Man, if Atlanta's going to go anywhere, they're going to need your leadership in the locker room to lead this running team because it ain't going to go through the air. Yes, Ritter went 13 for 21, one TD, two picks, and he always throws a couple picks in the game. And we all know the NFL, a lot of the times, it's all about how many turnovers are you going to do? And you usually lose if you top three. So they took this football game regardless. They took it 24-15. Arthur Smith needed this football game. And right now, he's really breathing a sigh of relief, sitting at five and six and leading the division. Yeah, leading the division, Dom, and, you know, it's crazy. 41 rushing attempts in this game for the Falcons uh, in, in, you know, comparison to 21 passing yards, or excuse me, 21 passing attempts for Desmond Ritter. Not something you see every day. We talk about old-school football. That is old-school football at its finest. Unfortunately, Chris Olave had to leave the game. He was having a great game, finished with 114 yards. He left the game with a concussion, so something to monitor. I think he's been limited in practice uh, this uh, this week, so hopefully he's going to be able to uh, to play his game uh, when the next time the Saints play. But yeah, big game. Look, weird division, like you said, not a sexy division. Someone has to win the division. That's inevitable, and a huge, huge step in the right direction for those Falcons. They win this game at home over the Saints. All right, Tom, we got just over a minute before our final break. Let's start dissecting another game. Yeah, let's talk about your Dolphins winning a big game against the Jets. You know what? I thought the Jets were going to maybe be able to sneak one because we didn't know what to expect with Tim Boyle. But unfortunately for the Jets, it was more of the same horrible QB play led to some zero running game. Brees Hall, only seven carries in this football game. Granted, yes, Miami took an early lead, but regardless, you're supposed to keep it balanced. 10 carries is not going to cut it. Absolutely not. And as for the Miami Dolphins, you know, Tua, 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 you know, threw two huge picks in this football game, but kind of like weird picks late. We're not going to like really blame him. I still love the chemistry, the tempo on this football team. I thought that Tyreek Hill didn't really need to come back in this football game. He kind of got banged up early, but it showed a lot about his character. You know, he knew this was a divisional game. They were sitting, you know, at seven and three. They needed to kind of like showcase their goods. They did. Tyreek Hill, nine receptions, 102 yards, one TD. And his partner in crime, Jalen Waddell, eight receptions, you know, I'm going to ask you, William, out of every team in the AFC, where does Miami rank in your books? Oh, man, that's a good question, Dom. Okay, I'm going to go. Are they better than Kansas City? Put it that way. No, I, I think they're at three. I think it goes Kansas City, Baltimore, and then I would take Miami at three. You know what? For me, I, I talked to you about this two weeks ago. I said that I like Buffalo and Miami. So I'm going to go as far as to say this is the number one team in the AFC. Wow. Until you start to realize that you need to start throwing the ball deep and which is Miami's specialty and you got two huge weapons in Waddell and the Hill. This is the team to beat in the AFC. You could say, yes, Mahomes this, Mahomes that, but we know they have huge problems at the right receiver position. I think Miami could outgun anybody in the NFL right now and if they got two healthy receivers, Miami might even win the Super Bowl this year. Hey, wow, Dominic, I'm loving it. Stop that you're getting me too excited here on uh, the Power Hour. Unfortunately, Jalen Phillips done for the year. Uh, oh, he was having a really good year. Outside oh, prayers for him, but man, 
Dom, you're getting me excited as a Dolphins fan. I love it. I love it. I love it. Just about eight hours till kickoff. Should be a great game tonight between the Seahawks and the Cowboys. A few games we didn't talk about to recap from last week, week 12. We had those Cowboys crushing the Commanders 45 to 10. 49ers doing the same to the Seahawks, winning 31 to 13. We had Tennessee winning in a low-scoring game over Carolina, 17 to 10. The Colts, Gardner Minshew beating the Bucs 27 to 10. The Giants and the Patriots finishing 10-7 to off a missed field goal by New England. Hopefully no one watched that game or was at that game. Rams, big game over the Cardinals, winning 37-14. to We had um, the Chiefs coming back after being down 14-zip. They beat the Raiders 31-17. to And we had Monday Night Football, probably the weirdest football game I've seen in a decade. It was literally, literally, as if no one wanted to win this football game. Justin Fields was fumbling like he was holding a bar of soap. Josh Dobbs didn't want the ball, thought it was a hot potato. He kept throwing it into the hands of the Bears DB. I'm not sure how much of that game you saw, Don, but that was one of the weirdest games I've seen in a while. Yeah, definitely weird. I think that at the end of the day, the better QB won, Justin Fields. I guess that's how that game went. Crazy. It's, uh, you know, tough. Uh, talk about the, uh, you know, what have you done for me lately type league? We were all high on Dobbs. And unfortunately, Dobbs struggled in that game. Hopefully, he's going to bounce back his next game. All right. Like I talked about, Seahawks, Cowboys tonight, Don. We got the Cowboys favored by eight and a half. This spread doesn't make any sense. This spread is one of those that Dallas is riding high. It, they're in Dallas, but I love Pete Carroll. And I think there's going to be a lot of respect between coaches in this game. Give me Seattle in an upset. Wow. 8 to 20. Wow, I like it. Already starting. I'm going to go with the Cowboys in this one, but I, I do think the spread is a little high. So I'm going to go final score 27-23 here. Cowboys win and improve their record. Next up, Arizona Cardinals at the Pittsburgh Steelers. We got Pittsburgh favored by five and a half. Oof. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh here, winning a very similar type game that they've won all year long. I'm going to go 17-16 Steelers. Yeah, this is an ugly spread as well. Kind of favors Arizona, but I'm not going to fall for it. I think Pittsburgh will take this football game 27-20. to And Kenny Pickett will get two TDs and over 300 yards in this football wow. game. I like it. I hope so, too. All right, next up, we got the Indianapolis Colts at the Tennessee Titans. We got Indianapolis favored by one and a half. Indianapolis against Tennessee. This is one of those weird, you know, divisional games that I smell an upset. I'm taking the Titans at home. They will take it 23 to 13. I just can't do it, Dom, after the performance I saw from, you know, Tennessee and, and their offense. Um, or, yeah, I'm sorry, not yeah, exactly this past week. You know, look, at the end of the day, it's, you know, Will Levi is, is learning the ropes. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be uh, hopefully in uh, an uphill battle that he's able to to learn a few things. But I'm going to go with the Colts here, 26 to 13. Next up, we got the Lions at the New Orleans Saints. Lions favored by four and a half, looking to bounce back. Uh, how are they not favored by more than three and a half? It, it, oh. It's just mind-boggling here. I'm going to have to take Detroit, but I feel bad about this pick, William. And why is that? Maybe Jared Goff has a horrible game, but I'm taking Detroit in overtime, 29 to 23. You know what, Dom? I'm going with the Lions as well, ungrudgingly. And not unfortunately, but someone has to win the football game. Look, there's always ties, but I'm not expecting a tie here. I'm going to go with the Lions to win this one. And I think this may be that get right back game we expect from the Lions uh, that they seem to have after, uh, you know, falling apart. I'm going to go 30-21 final score, Detroit Lions. Next up, we got the Dolphins at the Washington Commanders. Commanders underdogs in this one by nine and a half. 
Oof. You know what? Maybe I'm biased. I'm going my Dolphins. I'm going my Dolphins big in this one. Two or through two bad picks, Sam. And I know you kind of wanted to let it slide under the rug there. He's going to learn from those mistakes. I think he does. I think the Dolphins put up 35 this week, and they went 35 to 15. Yeah, Jack Del Rio got fired uh, by the Commanders over last week. So I don't know how that's going to play out. I kind of smell an upset, but I can't do it. I have to go with the Miami Dolphins winning in overtime 30 to 27. All righty. Like it. Close game. Next up, we got the Atlanta Falcons at the New York Jets. Atlanta favored by three. Yeah, Atlanta and the Jets, the battle of the worst QBs in the league. It's going to be all about defense. Who will take it? And I just think that the Jets defense are just about a little bit better than Atlanta defense. Give me the Jets. 20 to 13. You know what, Dom? The Jets do have a good defense and the Falcons don't have a great offense, but my gut is telling me Bijan Robinson has a career game. He rushes for 160 yards. Wow. He gets three TDs. The Atlanta Falcons win this game and win this game fairly big. I'm going to go final score 28 to 12 in favor of those Atlanta Falcons. Next up, we got the Denver Broncos at the Houston Texans. Texans favored by three and a half. Wow. Both teams sitting at six and five. Does Denver it continue their win streak to six games? Yes, they do. Broncos going to Houston. They get the dub. Houston loses back-to-back. Final score, 24-21, Broncos. Yeah, this is the hardest game to pick of the week. I don't know if that spread at three and a half is going to favor Denver. I think that they're running hot right now, and so is kind of Houston. But I'm going with Houston in this game. I think Houston will take it in overtime, 27-24. to I like, you know, that close spread just shows you, like you said, how close this game should and will be. Next up, we got the Chargers at the New England Patriots. Chargers favored by six. Both teams, well, both teams. The Chargers struggled to put up points last week. The Patriots have struggled to get first downs the entire season. Trent continues in this game. Chargers win. Chargers win big. Final score, 29-7. to Chargers. Yeah, the Chargers against the Patriots. This is another one where it's 6.5. You're like, what is going on? But I will take the Chargers. I think they have to win this game. They just have to. I mean, if he were to lose Brandon Staley, really, he's fired, right? If he loses against the Patriots? Uh, Yes. Yeah, 100%. I mean, look, with with, with how long he's lasted, maybe he won't. Maybe they're going to congratulate him for scoring a field goal. Who knows? (laughs) I'll take the Chargers reluctantly. I don't like that spread. Uh, the Chargers take it 29 to 17. All righty. Next up, we got the Carolina Panthers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay favored by five and a half. I've tried to give myself reasons to pick this Carolina Panthers team in upsets this year, and I've run out of reasons, and I ain't doing it. Tampa Bay wins this game. I'm going to go final score 25 17 bucks. Yeah. Frank Wright fired in Carolina. So, yes. Why is that? Well, obviously, Bryce Young hasn't pen out. So the poor kid cost the coach the job. That's as easy as it is. And as a result, nothing's going to change. Tampa Bay will go in and win this football game 26 to 20. All right. Next up, we got the San Francisco 49ers at the Philadelphia Eagles. San Fran favored by two and a half. You know, I did see... Field. Oh, you're going to pick it first? Go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry, Dal. I'm still debating. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? I saw one little weakness of the Eagles, which was an against an elite pass rusher. And obviously, we know that Bosa is elite. I think he gets around the, the offensive line and gets to Jalen Hurts. Give me San Francisco 27 to 24. Very, very possible NFC championship game here. 
Oh, man. I'm going to go with the Eagles in the quote-unquote upset if you want. You know, I think it says something. Philadelphia is 10-1. and They have two more victories than the 49ers. The game is in Philly and San Fran's favorite. So, like you said, maybe, you know, people know something that we don't. Or maybe it's the weaknesses of the Eagles kind of, you know, coming out to play in this one. But I think Philly comes in this game feeling disrespected, being underdogs. They win. I'm going to go the opposite score, 27-24 Philly in this one over the 49ers. Next up, Cleveland Browns at the LA Rams. We got the Rams favored by three and a half. I'm not sure what the latest is on the quarterback situation for Cleveland. Oof. Could be you Joe know, Flacco this week. Oh, wow. Oh, goodness. I'm going with the Rams then. Give me Rams favored by three and a half. I'm going to go with the Rams to win and to cover. This could be a big game for them. Thought the season was done. They win this. They'll be at six and six. I'm going to go, yeah, Rams winning this one. Uh, I'm going to go final score 20 to 16 here, LA. Yeah, Miles Garrett also almost done for the year. Going to have to check the reports on that. Keep an eye. JOK is going to have to be a crazy outside linebacker for the remainder of the season. But you know what? The Rams against the pass rush aren't that great. So I'm going to call an upset here. I do think that the Cleveland Browns will beat the Rams 26-23. to well, imagine if we see Joe Flacco in a Cleveland Browns uniform. That would be something to see. Next up, Sunday night football. Waiting all night till for Sunday night. Kansas City playing at Green Bay. Should be a great atmosphere. Kansas City favored by six in this one. Big game for the Packers here. Can they do it? I don't think so. I think they keep it tight. I think this could actually be the game of the week. Uh, I'm going to call an overtime game here. Final score, 27-21 Chiefs winning over Green Bay. Yeah, this might be the game of the week, but it won't yeah. be what we expect. I think that's going to be the, led by the defense on both sides. And as a result, you know, Kansas City is going to have the lead in the fourth quarter, and they're going to pick off uh, Jordan Love late in this football game. Kansas City will take it 27-20. to 20. All right, last but not least, we got Monday Night Football, the Cincinnati Bengals at the Jacksonville Jaguars. we got the Jaguars favored by eight and a half. Yeah, Cincinnati... Is Cincinnati done, William? What are your quick thoughts? Is Cincinnati done? I don't think they are. I think that, you know, with the amount of talent they have around Browning, Browning, you know, has looked decent at Washington in his career. Looked pretty good at Washington in his career. He didn't look great this past weekend, but there were drives I liked. I don't think the Bengals are done yet, Dom. No, I don't. Uh, I do agree that they do have a, a decent right receiver. They need Higgins to come back to make me yes. a and see what he can do. But I'm not going to see him probably this week. So I'm going with Jacksonville. Jacksonville's favorite by eight and a half. I mean, like, that is bizarre. It should be a little closer. So give me Jacksonville. I don't think they cover the spread. 26 to 20. You know what, Dom? I'm going to go with an upset here. You know, we see a few upsets week in and week out. And I kind of want to continue that trend of following that. Jacksonville, this past weekend, they looked pretty good, uh, you know, scoring 24 points. But ultimately, uh, Trevor Lawrence having a great game. This Jacksonville team gives me the Detroit Lions vibes. You know, they're kind. Of, I feel like they're kind of like the AFC version of the Lions in the NFC. Cincinnati, like you said, are they done? Maybe they're feeling, you know, people aren't trusting them. You know, they have a good game plan in this one. Uh, a good coach. And I think that the, you know, the coaching staff and everyone gets them prepared for this game. Maybe they'll limit drives. Maybe they'll give feet Joe mixing the ball a little bit more than usual. Jamar Chase, like you said, needs to have a big game. I'm going to go with Cincy actually winning this game and the quote unquote shocking the league. I'm going to go 27, 23 here for those Bengals. That wraps up our games for week 13. Dominic, we got a little bit more time than usual, just over three minutes to talk about what we're most looking forward to in week 13. We got good games, good matchups, Potential NFC Championship matchup here, a rematch of last year's NFC Championship game. What do you want to talk about and what are you excited for for Week 13? 
Well, it's all about the Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers. And we're going to see a little bit of a banged up Eagles O-line with uh, Lane Johnson being hurt right now. They're going to really depend on Landon Dickinson and Jason Kelsey to pull it off. And Kelsey kind of looked a bit tired late in that football game. They also have Malata. But if you look at the San Francisco defense now, you know, by adding, you know, they added Chase Young. Now, Chase Young out of college, everybody was talking about Chase Young. Now they added him alongside Nick Bosa. So he's just starting to get acclimated in this defense. You already have a stellar right defensive tackle in Javon Hargrave. And then you got Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner. All that line is a havoc to deal with. And with a little bit of a banged up Eagles line, if the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl, they need to win this football game because this is going to give them so much confidence going forward. And I think if they lose this football game, it will be a backbreaker because they're going to know that that's the type of team that potentially if they get to the NFC championship, they're going to have to beat. So if they do it on a banged up O-line, wow, are they ever going to surprise a lot of people? And that's the reason why I took San Fran this week. And this is the matchup that I'm going to be watching. Really, this defensive line versus the Eagles O-line. Whoever wins that wins the game. I like that. I want to stay there because it's such a good game. The matchup I'm going to look at is, you know, not a matchup that played against each other. They're both on the field at different times. I'm going with both quarterbacks, and that may be a little bit too simple because obviously it's the most important position on the football field. I feel like Brock Purdy's been a little bit disrespected. I was talking to a few of my buddies, and they've said, look, you know, Brock Purdy is good. I made the argument he could be a top 10 quarterback. They looked at me like I was an alien, and there's no way. Look, Brock Purdy, I get it. But you have to understand, you know, it's not his fault he's surrounded by the talented. You know, we talk about teams in the NFL, for example, beating up on worse competition. And yes, the Dolphins do come to mind because I'm a Dolphins fan. Miami Dolphins can't change the fact that they play easy teams on their schedule on their stretch. And they've won those games. Yes, they could have beat the good football teams. My point is that you can't make your schedule if you're an NFL team. And Brock Purdy doesn't dictate who's on his team. He has a heck of a football team. If you take away Brock Purdy and, you know, you put in an average quarterback, I'm not sure, so, so sure, excuse me, this team is as good as they are. And, like, they have actually been able to win games with Jimmy G. And, you know, I get it. Jimmy G is, is not as, you know, great as a quarterback as, you know, I think a lot of people make him out to be. But I think that Brock Purdy has made a lot of great throws and he's made great strides this year. And I know he's had a few games where he didn't look good. He had the game where they lost three straight games. They were missing Debo Samuel. Samuel comes back. All of a sudden, this offense looks great. You can't have 158.3 and a perfect QBR rating if you're not a good quarterback. So I think Brock Purdy wants to win this game. And this is going to be not his coming out party because I think that we know what he has, but I want him to show people that he is as good as he thinks he's. You know, he has a lot of confidence in himself. Shanam has a lot of confidence in him. And, you know, sort of the players around him. So, like I said, I do think the Philadelphia Eagles will win this game. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised no matter who wins it. I'm super excited for this game. But I'm looking forward to that one the most. Brock Purdy is the guy I'm keeping an eye on here. Go out there, Brock. Tell those Eagles fans that they ain't flying very high on Sunday because San Francisco, for him, will hopefully go in there and get the dub. And, you know, they want to prove they're the best team in the NFC. So I think that both teams will be taking this game very, very seriously. All right, folks, that is it for this episode of the Power Hour. Thank you for tuning in. Without you guys, there is no show. I want to remind you that and say that every week. We'll be back next week, same place, same time. You are listening to CJLO, 16, 9 a.m. in Montreal.